This morning we're back into the Gospel of Matthew, as uh, Josh has already shared. Uh, Jill started off, was off last week uh, back in Matthew, and we are in the run-up to Christmas. I don't know how you're doing with your Christmas shopping. I feel like I'm doing pretty well. I'd give myself like a B at the moment. Could be an A, but I'm at the probably B mark. Um, anybody finish the Christmas shopping? Give me a wave. All right, you got way too much time on your hands. All right, good. Like literally nobody. That's that's interesting. Um, okay, but this morning we're focusing on a really well-known story. Even if you don't go to church normally, aren't someone who normally goes to church, you will know this story. Uh, the unchurched know this story. The church know this story really well. And we're focusing on two characters, mainly on one character in this story, which is Mary and Joseph. We're going to be focusing mainly on Joseph this morning. So why don't we just pray real quick and we're just going to read through the scripture together. Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, that um, we can just glorify you. We can lift you high in this place together as a church this morning. But Lord, we can do that even while we're listening to your word because we can do it by allowing your word to just penetrate our hearts and to change us from the inside out. Father, I really pray that as we go through these, this scripture this morning, that you would speak to us through your living word. Everybody said? Amen. Okay, so we're going to read Matthew uh, 1. We're going to go from verses 18 to 25. It's on the screen for those who don't have a Bible. If you would like a Bible, there's some on the back table there. Take one for free. If you don't own one, it's a gift to you. Uh, but those who have your Bibles, Matthew 1, 18 to 25 says... This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When, Je- when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So like I said, this story is one that we know really well, Um, but today, although Mary is amazing and a woman of faith, we're going to be focusing mainly on Joseph. Sometimes a bystander in the nativity doesn't really have any lines, you know, just he, he is just there, part of the furniture. I think it's really good focusing on a man who's dealing with a pregnant woman. I'm just saying, it's very apt for me at the moment. Daily facing the trial of what to do with a pregnant lady. I'm just joking. Put your vegetables away, all right? Don't throw them at me yet. But he's dealing with a situation. And what I want to do is kind of just open it up together and talk about it and and just see what God wants to say to us through this story this morning. You know, almost 15 years ago, in 2009, a man named Bernard Madoff 
uh, was given a prison sentence for 150 years, only in America. 150 years in prison. Um, and you, there's a Netflix documentary all about him. You can watch it in your own time. But Bernard Madoff, the reason he was put in prison for 150 years was because he was running something known as a Ponzi scheme. He was a thief and a liar. And for over 20 years, he offered people a 10% return on their investments. Imagine that. There's a man who is successful, amazing, and you give him some money, give him a thousand pounds, he'll give you 1,100 pounds in, ret in return. <laughs> Just checking my maths there. I'm not a mathematician. And um, he would give you 10% on whatever it was that you invested. Whatever it was you invested, he would give you 10% back. For 20 years, he ran a successful company, but it was a scheme. It was, it was fraud. And what actually happened is it came out that he'd swindled out of people 65 billion dollars. 65 billion. I didn't even know that much money existed in the world. 65 billion dollars. When it came, when it all came out and it, and it got revealed, and actually an Italian man took his own life realizing he'd lost 1.4 billion in this scheme. He'd lost it all. When we have this incredible moment in Scripture here where God is going to make an investment. He's going to make an investment and He's choosing who He's going to invest in. Who is it that He's going to invest in? And I think who God chooses to invest in speaks volumes to us today. You know, when you become a parent, one of the things you have to do is have the conversation about if you die before you expect to die. And you have to have that conversation because what happens to our children if, if that happens to us? What then happens to us? Who do we want our children to be left with, right? Anybody, any parents in the room had this conversation? Oh, wow, nobody. You need to have this conversation. Okay, yeah, oh, a few of you, good. Yeah, but you have to have that conversation. And what do you look for? Well, you know, we want them to be good people. We want them to be people we like, right? We want them to be people that are going to raise our children you know, in a Christian home. We have different things, don't we? Criteria, prerequisites that we kind of have in our minds. But what are the prerequisites? What are the things that God wants to see in order for him to invest his only son? In order for him to give his only son? Uh, you know, God could have chosen someone like Bernard Madoff, this person that had this incredible reputation. Uh, uh, people wanted and chose constantly. They invested billions in him. He was a reputable guy that they could see, I want to give my billions to this guy. I want to invest money in this guy. He had a solid reputation. He had a wealthy lifestyle. He looked the bee's knees. He wanted for nothing. He was impressive. He was accomplished. And he had this natural charm. And God, have, God could have chosen someone just like him. Yeah, I want to invest in him. I, I, I want to give what I've got to him. Or historically, we can think about the people God could have chosen that we knew at the time. There was a man called Josephus. He was a historian born soon after Jesus. He was known for his works writing on the Jewish walls. And Josephus talks about his, his elite family, the, the elite that he comes from. And they came from a priest family. God could have given his son Jesus to a family just like that. Or think about Caiaphas, the, the, the chief priest, the, the, the high priest in Jerusalem. He would have been, Jesus, if he gave his, 
Jesus, his son, to a family like that, he would have already been in with the in crowds. He would have already had the, the, the influence and the money and the power that he needed, the earthly power that he needed, the influence that he needed. But God didn't choose those people. He chose Joseph and Mary. Joseph, a laborer, a carpenter, someone who listened to talk sport in the week. He, he chose Joseph. It's a joke, by the way. He didn't, didn't have read it. Um, he chose Joseph. No influence. No influence at all. And no wealth to speak of. And how do we know that they had no money? Well, it tells us in, in Leviticus 12, 6 to 8, what we see is laid out in, in what we're supposed to do when you have a child and, and the women have to go to the, to the priest in order to be, um, to be made, made ritually clean. So it says, When the days of her purification for a son or a daughter, or daughter are over, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting, a year-old lamb. So you take a lamb for a burnt offering and a young, young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. He shall offer them before the Lord and make atonement for her, and then she will be ceremonially clean for her from her flow of blood. So when you have a baby, you're unclean. You need to go and make yourself ritually clean before God. These are the regulations for a woman, it goes on, who gives birth to a boy or a girl. But if she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for her and she will be clean. So we know if you're people of money, this is what you take to the priest. You take a lamb and then you take a young, young bird. Okay, so that's what you do. But if you're not of money, if you have nothing to speak of and people knew what you had, you would take two young birds instead. And we read in Luke 2, in Luke's Gospel, Luke 2, 22 to 24, it says, When the time came, this is Mary and Joseph, for the purification rites required by law of Moses, Joseph and Mary, they took him to Jerusalem, that's Jesus, to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice, we've just read about it, offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. That's what Mary and Joseph take. So we know they don't have, have money. We know they don't have influence. They are poor people. No influence, no money. This is who God chooses to invest in. This is who God chooses to trust with this investment of his only son, the lowly and the poor, not the rich and the influential. So why did God choose him? And I think as we open up what Joseph has done here in the Gospel of Matthew, I think it's going to help us to understand why God has chosen this man to be Jesus' earthly father. He puts us right in Joseph's shoes or sandals and we know what, what he's thinking from his point of view. So we're going to open this up and find out just what type of man Joseph was. And, and it says in Matthew's Gospel, we've just read it, it says, His mother Mary, that's Jesus' mother, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, before they'd been together, they were betrothed, she was found to be pregnant. Okay, this is an issue. And when we understand 
what's going on in their lives in this moment, we're going to start to feel really uncomfortable for Joseph and the situation that he's found himself in. Mary is betrothed to Jesus. She is being given to him. They are in contract. Now, we need to talk about what that means because where we are today in the Western world that we live in, we, we have a very different type of relationship status going on. And what happens is today, we all know, I'm not going to surprise everybody, you know, a boy and a girl meet, maybe at work, maybe, you know, through friends or whatever, and they become boyfriend and girlfriend. It's generally what happens today. And then what generally happens is that after a while of being together, they may or may not choose to get engaged. They may or may not choose to move in with one another, and they may or may not choose to get married. Now, generally speaking, traditionally, if you go back 50 years perhaps, you would meet, get, get engaged, get married. That's the way it would go, moving together when you get married. And that's, that's how Jenny and I did it, so we believe is biblical. But it's very different from what we would have encountered back in first century, first century Israel. Now, here's the thing. We know today marriage has been completely <laughs> devalued and and now people, they may or may not get married, and that engagement may last six, several years or, or not. It, and they may live together or not. It's very different from, that would have been bizarre to first century, first century Israelites. So what would happen? Well, rather than an engagement, um, then getting married, uh, what would happen would be that the, the start of the Jewish uh, way of doing things is that the fathers, generally the fathers, not always, but generally the fathers would choose who their son or daughter was going to marry. And perhaps two fathers would meet, say, I like your son Joseph. And she, he says, I like your daughter Mary. I think he would, she would make a good wife for Joseph. And say, okay, well, let's agree that perhaps they should be married. So an arranged marriage. It's not totally alien to this world today, but an arranged marriage would happen. The families would then meet and the couple would meet to see if they agree. And it would take a little bit of time, but once that had been agreed, they would then enter into being betrothed to one another. And it's a very serious thing to do. It's as serious as us today standing up in front of a church and getting married. It's that contractual covenant. It is something that is seen in law to have happened, that you now, the, the woman becomes his property. And so that is happening in the betrothal. And that is what's already happened to Joseph and Mary. And that's where we find them in the story. They've signed a, signed a, a contract and a dowry has been paid from Mary's family to Joseph's family. And then there's this waiting period of about a year. And the, and the man, the husband-to-be, would go away and he would make an accommodation that was suitable to receive a wife. And the wife... Um, would, would be waiting for a year. So a whole year is going to go by. And that's the period that they're in. The contract is signed. They're in a contract and they're waiting. And it's in this moment, Mary comes to him and says, I'm pregnant. <laughs> I'm pregnant. And there's supposed to be, they're supposed to be waiting. They, they wait uh, until the marriage. They have a big family feast and it's an amazing occasion to get married before she goes to live with him and it's in this moment where they're betrothed that she says I'm pregnant so with that context in mind you can imagine what a huge upset 
and confusion this would have thrown Joseph into. These guys are publicly betrothed. Their families are united in this contract. And yet here's Mary in front of him and she is pregnant. Now let's be real. Let's be totally real here. The chances of Mary being pregnant and a man not being involved in all of history, generally there is a man involved when a woman is pregnant. And in all of history, that's never not been the case. And yet his, his betrothed woman is telling him, there is no man involved, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what's going through Joseph's head in this moment? Like seriously, maybe someone took advantage of Mary. Like that's probably what he's thinking. Has someone done this to you? Who's done this to you? Maybe someone's taken advantage of her. Maybe someone's done something terrible to her. Well, if that was the case, Mary is protected by the Mosaic law. We read in Deuteronomy 22, 25 to 26, it says, <coughs> but if an out in the country, uh, sorry, if out in the country a man happens to meet a young woman pledged to be married and rapes her, only the man who has done this shall die. Do nothing to the woman. She has committed no sin deserving death. Mary, if someone has taken advantage of her, she is totally protected by the law. And there is, it's fine, she can go ahead and marry Joseph, and whoever's done this will, will, will suffer the consequences. Not Mary. It's not her fault. But Mary's not saying that anything's happened to her. She's not saying that anybody's taken advantage of her. She's saying that, that it's the Holy Spirit. But so what does Joseph do? But on the other hand, if she's just lying, because obviously there's going to be a man involved, but if she's just lying and, she, and what's happened is that she's been maybe a bit silly, maybe she had a glass of wine and, and she did something that she regrets and she did sleep with somebody and, she, and that has happened, nobody took advantage of her, but she's done something that she regrets, then surely the last thing she's going to do is blaspheme the, the name of God and say the Holy Spirit did it. Surely that's the last thing she's going to do. And how crazy do you sound anyway? Like you sound like you need help when you say I'm pregnant and the Holy Spirit did it. Like, hello? <laughs> like you sound crazy. This would have torn Joseph in two. So he finds himself with three choices. And I think we're digging in here to the type of man that God has chosen. He's left with three choices. Choice number one, what does he do? Number one, he can choose to marry Mary. He can go ahead. There's nothing stopping him. He's already betrothed to her. He can just go ahead and marry her. And he can overlook the lies that she's told. He can overlook the fact that she's probably nuts uh, and the fact that she sleeps with guys and pretends God did it. He can just overlook that. That's choice number one. Number two, he can publicly condemn Mary for what she's done. And in fact, he's well within his rights to do that. And many, many, many times would this have happened. He could have publicly condemned her and who she slept with and sent her to a public trial because she's pregnant. And, he, and it's embarrassing, not just for him, but for his entire family. I mean, he is from the line of David, prestigious family to marry into, and yet here's this woman who's, who's betrothed to him, 
and has totally let him down. She's chosen to sleep with another man. He clearly didn't take advantage of her why she would have told him. And, and, and here, she's brought shame on him. And by the Mosaic law, Deuteronomy 22, 23 to 24, we've just read from the same chapter. It says this, it says, if a man happens to meet at, meet in a town a virgin pledged to be married and he sleeps with her, you shall take them both, take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. Both of them. The law is clear of what Joseph should do here. He should publicly announce what has happened and that she has broken the contract that they both entered into. And the law's clear. But there's a third choice that he thinks up. There's a little choice that he, 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 he thinks up here and he thinks, I know what I could do. Maybe I could quietly divorce her. Deflect attention away from her. Protect her. Look after her. And maybe I could send her away to her cousin Elizabeth. And Matthew tells us that he doesn't want to publicly disgrace her. He doesn't want to do that. He clearly loves this woman. He loves her. And even in this moment of being disorientated and unsure of what's, what's happening, this, this is why we see God chose Joseph. He puts aside his pride and what he wants and his plans and what's, what's, what's owed to him. And instead, and instead he humbles himself to care for another. Putting his reputation, his pride, his rights all to one side to protect the vulnerable. Psalm 139 verse 23 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Psalm 66.10, for you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You see, something that is so important about this moment that we're reading about, um, it says this. In Matthew's account, we read it. It says, but after. But after he had considered, after he'd considered what to do about Mary, after he'd made his mind up, after he'd made his choice, after he decided what he was going to do, then, it's then, that an angel of the Lord appeared to him. It's after. You see, God leaves Joseph in this place of wrestling with his emotions, with his thoughts, with his pride, with his embarrassment, with his, with his feelings. And God leaves him there and when he makes his decision, when he, when he puts his hat on a peg and says, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to decide to do, it's then that God comes and intercedes and deals with the situation for him. But he leaves Joseph in that place. It says, but after he had considered, it's then that God speaks to him. God tests his heart and he reveals to us all who he is. He searches his heart and he knows it. And Joseph in this moment, <clears throat> and we read and we, and we see time and time again through Scripture, 
that God chooses to test us and see what decisions we're going to make as we read about um, Abraham and how God asks him to sacrifice his son and Abraham wrestles through this and takes Isaac, puts him on an altar. And then it's then when Abraham's made the choice that God intercedes and stops him. Think about Job, uh, everything's stripped away from his life and taken from him. And he allows Job to wrestle through it and still come back to God and say, God, your will, not mine. And it's then in those moments that God intercedes and comes into his life. God wants to refine us. He wants to leave us to make those decisions because he wants us to reflect Christ. He wants us to be refined in those moments of real heartache and trouble and and, and sweat and just, God, come and be with me. And maybe this morning, that's exactly where you, you are. Maybe you find yourself in that place of just, you know, I don't know what to do here. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a, a, a problem at your work uh, where you could, you could do the thing that you know you shouldn't do. You could take what's owed to you, what's, what's right for, for you to take. Or maybe it's, maybe it's um, in your home. Maybe it's in your marriage. Actually, you've been wronged. And you, you know, I've been wronged here. I have rights. I, I can do, I, I'm well within my rights to make this choice, to make this decision. And yet God calls us, just like he's calling Joseph in this moment, in this tough spot. He's calling us to reflect him. His, his righteousness, his love. In that one moment, Joseph's going to be married. In the next, he's dealing with this situation. And it's when he's asleep, when he's made his mind up, that God comes in and he speaks into his situation. So he speaks to him. And what does he say? He says, don't be afraid. This, this angel, angel means messenger. Messenger says, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. The first part that the angel says to Joseph, it deals with his emotions. Don't be afraid. You need not fear. And the second part, he says, the baby she is carrying is from the Holy Spirit. That deals with his questions. You know, how, how has this happened? Who was it? Who was he? Why won't, why won't she tell me? It deals with all of his questions are answered. She is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And God chooses to tell him. And how does Joseph respond to that instruction? Well, he wakes up and he takes Mary as his wife. Absolute obedience to what God speaks to him. He'd already made his mind up he was going to divorce her. But God speaks and his decision changes immediately. And he takes Mary as his wife, and we're going to read in a couple of weeks as they flee to Egypt. God speaks to him again, and he is obedient again immediately. But when Joseph walked from his dream, he obeyed God immediately. He took Mary as his wife. Can you imagine the relief for Mary in this moment? When he, when he says to her, God's spoken to me, I'm going to marry you. Can you imagine the relief for her? All the consequences that could have happened. And yet, she, and yet he says, I'm, I'm taking you as my wife. But can you imagine the relief for Joseph too? He'd heard from God and he knew what was required of him. However, one thing that we can be certain of as I close is that life wouldn't have been easy for them. 
wouldn't have been easy. Just because it was the right choice doesn't mean it was the easy one. And we can be sure that some observant neighbours who were good at maths could, could have looked at Joseph and Mary and looked at, and looked at Jesus and thought, hold on a minute. <laughs> we can be sure about the whispered rumours that would have gone around or, you know, about um, Mary's premarital infidelity or Joseph's inability to keep himself pure before they were married. And in fact, Matthew goes out of his way to tell us and to say to us, hey, Joseph didn't have sexual relations with Mary as her husband until she gave birth. He honoured Mary all the way through till she gave birth to Jesus. And why would he tell us that? Well, we can be sure <laughs> that together they would have bear the whis you know, burn of whispers and backbiting and rumours and gossip and perhaps even just condemnation at times from people. From friends, family, even maybe enemies. But Joseph knew the truth and he submitted himself to God. And maybe it made his life tough, but he did what was right regardless of the personal cost to him. Becoming Mary's faithful protector. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. Where to pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord, call out of a pure heart. In this moment of choice, Joseph chose to do the righteous thing, to do the thing that reflected his Father, God, to protect, to care, to love the vulnerable, the needy. And he made that choice. Now, his choice never came through, but he made the choice. Scripture tells us, as followers of Christ, we should pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. As followers of Christ, we are called to reflect him. And, and this morning, you know, it's great when people pray. All my prayer to great prayer this morning. It just fit this perfectly. But as we, as we, as together, we come together, we, we are tough with difficult decisions every, every week, every month, every year. We make choices that not just affect us, but affect other people. We make choices to forgive when we've been wronged. We are not to forgive. We make choices of where we're going to invest our money, our time, of whether or not we're going to invest in relationship, of whether or not we're going to invest in the church. And, and I want to just encourage you this morning, and you might be sat there and you might have walked in this morning wrestling with, with a real issue. And actually what we see in Scripture is that God wants us to reflect Him and to trust Him that He will come through with the rest. To reflect Jesus in our hardest, most difficult moments. And of course, Joseph would raise a boy and teach him a trade of carpenter who would be the true person who would lay down his pride, his plans, what he wants, his rights, and he would put them all aside to make a sacrifice, to love the vulnerable, to care for those most in need. And Joseph was the one God chose to raise that boy. 
And Jesus grew. We read it this morning in worship. Jesus grew. And being in his very nature God, he had all of the rights of God Almighty. And yet did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing (laughs) by taking the very nature of a servant, humiliated. People talking about him as he's up on the cross. If you really are the Son of God, get yourself out of this. Mocked, beaten. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on that cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Jesus laid aside everything for you and for me. Everything. And just like Joseph, when we find ourselves in those moments where my rights have been violated, (laughs) my plans have been ruined because of you, actually we're called to be a people who make the choices that honour God that care for the vulnerable, that love the downtrodden. We're called to forgive, to care, to love. In Jesus' name, why don't we pray?